Welcome to Brain Milk Podcast. My name is Dash McIntyre. And my name is Adrian Pope. And we are the podcast associated with the Halfway Post, America's number one satire source. Check it out. Um, right off the bat, let's get into it. Um, some breaking news. Uh, Donald Trump just fired via tweet Chris Krebs, the director of the Cyber Se- uh, Security and Infrastructure Security Agency. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, to me, nothing says stable genius like Donald Trump firing his entire administration in the last few weeks of, of being in office. Well, yeah, he's fired multiple people in the uh, DOD, which is probably not good. (laughs) Uh, But the whole fact that he fires people on Twitter is kind of funny. It's not a really good mark of a leader that you can't do it, you know, face to face. Kind of cowardly if you think about it. What'd you say? Or an alpha male. It's not indicative of uh, (laughs) a... It's a total beta move, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, plus it's like the cybersecurity guy. and, And I've already heard that a lot of it, you know, people are saying that it's because... He debunked some of the lies being spread on conservative media about the election being a fraud and basically came out and said that this was like the most secure, you know, in in a cyber way, the most secure uh, election in the last couple elections. So, I mean, that's good that our elections were secure, bad that Trump is firing people personally because he's mad and being a crybaby about it and wants to get vengeance on people who make him look bad or won't buy into his fantasy. Right. Uh, did you see the news uh, recently that um, Trump apparently wanted to, to do a like a missile strike or some kind of military strike against Iran? But Mike Pence and uh, Mike Pompeo talked him out of it, reportedly. I believe the New York Times and uh, a lot of other people were reporting that. Um, can you imagine like what a shitty like a shittier thing for an outgoing president to do than like potentially starting a war? <laughs> right before you hand off the government to someone else. Well, yeah, it's extra bad, too, because there's another report talking about how Trump is trying to expedite plans to remove trip, uh, troops from Germany, uh, Syria, and uh, different places in the Middle East. So, like, imagine yeah. taking... Yeah, imagine taking a pot shot at a at an adversary there in the middle of the logistical nightmare of getting our troops out of country, you know, getting all their gear, all their equipment and trying to move that. And then suddenly, you know, you're going to do something to Iran that makes those, you know, vulnerable troops getting ready to leave even more vulnerable. Plus, it's a whole thing like we have a coalition. There's a lot of countries helping um, support us, especially in Afghanistan, where we've been forever. But for like Trump to just unilaterally decide we're pulling out troops to the to the point that even most of the American government has no clue what's going on, let alone our allies who are there who are now, you know, I guess learning about it via Twitter, you know, like all of these, you know, new allegations and reports of like what Trump apparently was stopped from doing. Like, <laughs> do you think do you think he, he, he was on a phone call with Netanyahu of Israel about the Iran strike? Or do you think like that, even something like that, like Netanyahu would wake up and it's like, oh, America just bombed (laughs) Iran's nuclear facility or whatever. Yeah, who even knows? Um, I mean, between uh, Netanyahu and Trump, they're kind of like two pariahs in the international system right now. Um, I don't know why Trump is trying to keep that campaign promise because he talks about ending wars and bringing troops home. But like when you talk about like the intelligence gathering people in Syria, I mean, the idea that you know, you might have 500, 600 troops in Syria or something, uh, most of them getting, you know, pretty important intelligence. They're not really fighting. They're not that much in harm's way right now. There's not that many people dying. I mean, there was a helicopter crash in Egypt the other day, right? 
Um, so, I mean, that was bad. But we have so few troops over there. They have very key jobs, and they're on the ground knowing what's going on over there. And we're just going to, like, remove them solely so Trump can say in the last, you know, eight weeks of his presidency that he kept one campaign promise, which isn't even true because there's currently more troops overseas now in some of the countries that he's complaining about than when he took office. So uh, I guess he's trying to keep a campaign promise. I don't know how much sense it makes. Yeah, uh, I guess. But, not- but there was just that report like a few days ago that came out that basically the military has been lying to Trump and not counting all the troops that are in some of these Middle Eastern countries because Trump keeps wanting them out and so you know i guess you can say what you will about like the implications of lying to the commander-in-chief and not fulfilling his orders to like remove troops but i mean um, define lying right when you have a guy who doesn't read his briefs and doesn't take a lot of detailed information very well (laughs) and they've talked about how his retention is pretty bad (laughs) they might have just decided that he doesn't want you know he might have decided i don't want to read that and he's not going to so for all we know that part's not actually true like they could have like the the deployed troops in Syria on the presidential daily brief every day and he, we'd know he hasn't read it basically <laughs> right. in weeks. Yeah. I think someone I saw somewhere that he hadn't read that thing since like October, like the first week in October or something and and now we're, you know, halfway through November, so uh, great leadership there, you know, really staying <laughs> yeah, up to date. Great leadership. Yeah. Yeah, they're like What's yeah, the funny yeah. thing? What I was going to say is that's a funny thing because uh, George W. Bush, they always made fun of him for being dumb and stuff. But, I mean, that was just a caricature in some ways. Like, he spent, like, three hours a day reading all the stuff they brought him, all the information, the presidential daily brief. So, you know, Trump, this super genius who doesn't even, you know, he. I mean, if you asked, you know, it would be a gotcha question in some ways. But, like, do you think Donald Trump could answer how many troops we have in any country right now or just ballpark? Do you think he could ballpark, like, what? What's going over going on in Syria right now? Because if he hasn't been reading the daily presidential brief, he, he probably has no frame of reference or even ballpark knowledge. And then uh, the last bit, just kind of a breaking news, is uh, the big deal in uh, the two Senate races in Georgia. It's kind of fascinating because Republicans are kind of holding off on saying that um, that Trump lost the election because I guess they're kind of worried that if Trump doesn't help them campaign in Georgia, they might lose both Senate seats and then like lose their Senate majority. What do you think of well, that? Be interesting. Well, well, I think it's I think it's me a fascinating election because we'll see how the country really feels. Right. So we've had record vote turnout for both the Democrat and the Republican. Uh, Joe Biden's currently up five and a half million votes. So there's more Democrats around the country who wanted him uh, over Trump. Um, but it'll be interesting because in Georgia, Trump will not be on the ballot. So all those Republicans or independents who love Trump and a lot of them probably didn't have a big voting history in the past, uh, came out to vote solely for Trump. It'll be interesting to see if they even bother to vote for Republicans. So we'll find out if they care about Republican conservative policies or if it was all about Trump. See, that's fascinating because Trump's not really saying much anyway. It's not like I haven't really seen him tweet. He certainly hasn't gone down to campaign. I don't know if there's a golf course in Georgia he can stop by. That seems to kind of be what he's preoccupied with and focused on right now is golfing. But I kind of think like... uh, I guess fundamentally, Republicans, I mean, they already did technically win, except for that 50% runoff rule that Georgia has, which is kind of funny that, like, real quick, uh, is kind of like a byproduct of Jim Crow, which is kind of like to get Republican um, 
uh, candidates elected to have by having a second runoff election where I guess presumably the thinking is less minorities and poor people will vote, you know, against Republicans <laughs> and they'll time. have a stronger <laughs> chance to win. But it would be funny because both the Republicans got more votes than the Democrats, but it would be funny if they ended up losing the runoff. And obviously, I think Democrats are highly motivated to um, to get out the vote and to campaign and to donate a ton of money. <laughs> well, we'll also see, too, because we know uh, from a lot of polls and stuff suggests that a lot of Americans actually support divided government for whatever reason. Uh, obviously, as a Democrat, uh, that sucks. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense when one political party is diametrically opposed to pretty much anything. Yeah, especially even in something this hyper-polarized time. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have one political party who thinks that, like, wearing a mask when you're outside in public is, you know, tantamount to slavery, but... Um, or, or, you know, maybe one notch below is in terms of, you know, the loss of liberty and freedom. But right. But uh, I guess I bring this up because it's just funny, you know, now, especially with Rudy Giuliani going around and trying to uh, uh, sue all of these state uh, election boards and stuff like that. And all, all of Trump's lawsuits are being thrown out of court. But Trump's still maintaining like it's like an alternate reality on his Twitter account where there was just fraud everywhere. <laughs> it's just like not reality at all. But, uh, well, it's funny because uh, in Pennsylvania, there have been two cases, two whopping cases of voter fraud. And they were both Republicans uh, <laughs> yeah. trying to vote for Trump. So, right. uh, <laughs> yeah. But it is funny because it's like the idea that Trump is trying so hard to get four more years uh, for a job he obviously hates. I mean, like there's no ceremonial aspect of being president that he likes other than i guess just the attention and his ability to like give speeches on the major news networks like interrupting regular programming and things like that but you know he hates going to veterans memorial <laughs> events um he hates like the responsibility of the job he obviously he hates hate reading <laughs> daily briefings <laughs> he hates accidentally being exposed to rain <laughs> yeah right so um that's kind of funny uh, you want to you want to head into your next bullet point now? Yeah, so we got a great one, little uh, fun thing to talk about. We're going to talk about Parler, which is if you don't know the conservative version of Twitter, uh, which is you know designed by and for conservatives who have either been banned from Twitter or want to get out of the you know liberal hellhole that Twitter has apparently become, in their words. Uh, so, uh, first off, uh, I think the name itself, Parlor, is kind of funny, um, because, uh, despite being pronounced Parlor by most people, it's actually supposed to be the French word parler, as in, you know, the French verb to speak. Uh, so I found that funny because it's like the founder's goal was to maybe create a fashionable or, you know, somewhat cosmopolitan name for their, you know, ideally global Twitter, you know, mock-up website. Uh, but uh, they're rapidly Republican, you know, proud to be deplorables, non-cosmopolitan people uh, don't care and call it the wrong name, you know, uh, which is kind of funny. I actually started a parlor maybe like a year ago or something, eight months really? ago, something like that, just to see what was going on. I haven't actually used it, but I just logged into it a couple of days ago to check it out and see what they're actually talking about and to see if it's like a cesspool of like conservative, like, you know, ideology and delusions and stuff. But it just well, I was reading about it earlier and it was talking about uh, accounts. 
Well, yeah. It, well, I was reading these accounts, and it's like all the stuff about climate change. It's just rabidly anti-climate change, really? saying it's fake, and it's all, you know, there's no such thing as man-made, you know, climate change, and yeah. all those scientists are just... Well, it's funny, because, like, when you think about climate change being fake, and, and people talking about it on this, you know, Twitter knockoff uh, social media uh, website, is like the idea that every single uh, field of inquiry and in science is all coming together at the same conclusion independently and separately, right? So you have like geologists, uh, you have things like biologists, you have things, you know, looking at like where species are going extinct or where species are moving, you know, trees yeah, are going further and further north. Migratory and... cycles are shifting geographically. Exactly. But then it's like, you know, weather science, climate science, you know, all these different fields, you know, uh, even looking at like the pictures they take from space, like it's all evident of climate change and somehow they're all individually and independently full of shit. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, what do you think a about, more about the... parlor? Yeah, oh, go what? ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say a little more about parlor. Uh, for people who don't know, is it, it's billed as like a quote unquote true free speech alternative to Twitter. Uh, which that's kind of funny too, because uh, a lot of people have pointed out that the terms and conditions of Parler uh, actually make it more restrictive than Twitter, uh, specifically on issues such as like pornography, uh, pornographic images, uh, usernames containing inappropriate words. Apparently, there's no limits to that on Twitter. Uh, being able to spam people with mean messages. Uh, apparently, there's a lot more on that than on <laughs> Parler than uh, people ever did on Twitter. And uh, apparently the CEO, the guy named John Matza, don't know how to pronounce it, but he has said he won't allow photos of poop on the website. <laughs> so, you know, for, for being the free, uh, you know, social media company, uh, Twitter allows photos of poop <laughs> uh, with no restriction whatsoever, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And the CEO of, of Parler doesn't like that. Right. Uh, also, swear words are apparently uh, somewhat banned or, or yeah. looked down upon on Parler. Um, Ted so Cruz will have ironically, to get from Twitter and not Parler, yeah. I guess. <laughs> you know, that video he liked. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's ironically, everyone on Twitter is making fun of Parler for calling the rules stupid, even though Parler is supposed to be the free and wild west of uh, social media. Yeah. Uh, what do you think yeah. in terms of it, like, existing separate and, I guess, uh, like, maybe combative with Twitter? Because, like, I was thinking about this. At a certain point, it kind of goes against, like, their business models and projections of growth by having kind of, like, intentionally biased like platforms with which to use you know what i mean like why like if parlor wants to build themselves as like the conservative alternative why would they like just push away like i guess ostensibly like uh half of the market of political commentary like the liberal side you know like well it's kind of a weird to business be fair point. to be fair something i read was that the uh founders of parlor uh, didn't necessarily start with the goal of making a conservative Twitter. I think conservatives kind of took it and ran with it to some degree. Um, obviously, having like, you know, four million conservatives go to uh, Parler, uh, they're probably not too mad about it, given, you know, the growth of their website, probably above and beyond what they thought might be possible. Um, so I guess we'll have to see, but I don't think, yeah, but Parler has obviously become conservative Twitter. Uh, a lot of conservatives, Republicans have talked about going and, you know, making the move to Parler. Uh, I saw right now Parler has about 4 million active users and over 10 million users signed up. Although uh, a lot of people and a lot of Republicans have been complaining that people who have 
uh, parlor accounts aren't that active on it and are instead still tweeting on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I did notice because when I was looking on it, like I saw that Ted Cruz is on it, but it just seems like he's he's just copy and pasting everything he puts on Twitter right onto Parler. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, but again, like people want to use Twitter, I would imagine, to get their message out. And if Twitter is still the bigger one, like even if you're complaining about like uh, you know, oh, they're mean to. <laughs> our delusions that we tweet out about the rigged election being totally fraudulent and COVID being a hoax. Like you still want all your other ideas to go viral and have the biggest mass market and appeal. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that'll be the big question is how many people like uh, get on it. And then probably more importantly, how many people stay on it? Um, right. What do you think so about one other this? Thing I wrote... Real quick. I was oh, thinking well, about I have this. a little more. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, so apparently Parler uh, has like a published document that they call the Declaration of Inter- Internet Independence, kind of like the obviously American Declaration of Independence. Uh, but uh, I found this pretty rich. You know, they're declaring independence and Internet independence. That's their big thing, uh, which is funny because they're actually more restrictive than Twitter because uh, they actually do ban people on Parler, uh, contrary to popular belief. And apparently you have a higher likelihood of being banned on Parler than Twitter just because Twitter has so many more million people on it. Um, and also the whole idea of being you know, independent on the Internet is pretty rich coming from you know, the re- conservatives and the Republicans who uh, didn't give a shit about that 10 years ago with Citizens United and still believe that companies should be able to do anything they want including not making, you know, something as silly as a birth, uh, you know, a, a wedding cake for for gay marriage people. Um, but also, more importantly, I think it's crazy because Democrats are literally on the same idea as them complaining about it. Uh, so what do you think about that? The idea that, like, you know, they want independence, but then they also have this company uh, specifically designed to, you know, basically try to undo uh what social media companies you know they perceive them to be doing to conservatives i guess it's kind of stupid because i mean it's not like uh you know conservatives are much more uh black and white view like in terms of perspective and there's not as much nuance and certainly you could say in the trump era like you're not allowed to have any opposing ideas that go against things that trump wants or believes so i mean like it's not, I mean, Republicans want to say they're, like, independent for, on the internet and stuff like that, and they're the bastion of free speech, but that's not really true. I mean, just think about, like, the Lincoln Project, right? And now they're being, like, excommunicated, being called rhinos or, uh, you know, not real conservatives, and then getting death threats from Trump supporters. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's it's kind of ludicrous. I guess it's, like, ironic for them to be congratulating themselves when... Uh, you know, not that the left is perfect. I mean, the left obviously has a ton of problems right now with like cancel culture and total wokeness and eating our own and stuff like that. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. Republicans, I guess liberals are at least willing to listen to it and like buy the book to burn the book. Whereas like it just seems like conservatives are more likely to want to burn the person, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um what yeah, do you, I mean, we'll see. What do you think about in terms of like uh, the the separate 
I guess you could say separate but equal or competing versions. Because for a long time, I was thinking this is like bad for society. If par like, let's say Parlor actually became really successful, and then we had two competing echo chambers of like left leaning Twitterverse and then right leaning like uh, Parlorverse. In which case, people literally never have to see each other's content. And I was thinking that that's like so so bad for society. But then on the other hand, people say that, you know, some of our most like engaged civic uh, periods in American life and history all revolved around like super hyper partisan press. Like if you go back to like, you know, the 1850s and 60s, I mean, like I, I would imagine the the media as a whole was way more polarized over slavery than we are right now about, you know, like I guess you could say woke issues and then Trumpist like nationalism and stuff like that. Oh, well, I mean, that's undeniable because in history, like, they had a whole thing where, like, they didn't even, the South, uh, Southern congressmen didn't even want the issue of slavery brought up at all because they didn't want to talk about it because right. they knew if people in the North were going to talk about it, it would be negative. So yeah. they just didn't want, they wanted to hide it. And and that was the era, too, I mean, especially if you go back to the early founding of this country, uh, when, you know, being a printer and, like, owning a newspaper or, like, uh you know, some kind of like magazine in the early days is like, you know, they were hopelessly partisan, making up complete <laughs> <Right>. fabricated <laughs> <Yeah>. stories, just <laughs> like today. Uh, I mean, we'll see what happens, too. I mean, like we just had the one of the highest uh, voter turnouts in any election in 100 years. So, uh, I mean, even though we're super polarized, people are very much so engaged. Um, and, you know, it, I mean, we'll still have, I mean, we might need another election or two to even figure out where we're going because exit polls are so bad and, and polling before the elections were so, uh, so wrong. You know, it's going to take a couple of years to figure out where we go from here. And maybe the polarization is, is just like the third or fourth time in this country's history where it's gotten this bad. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how Trump plays out. Um, I guess this is a nice segue to like some notes I was thinking about in terms of uh, like Trump's future um like let's well, say future is probably going to end up in uh years of litigation with the state well of yeah New York but i, I was and, saying uh, like let's say his lawyers can keep him out of jail while that while that gets bogged down with his endless counter lawsuits and appeals and stuff but like you know trump had that tw uh, twitter war against fox news where he was telling everyone to um start watching OAN and Newsmax and stuff and boycott Fox <laughs> yeah. practically because you know all because uh, Fox went in uh, or because Fox called uh, Arizona early that's like a thing Trump will never forgive now you know <laughs> but it but it's interesting cuz like people were talking about like that this is the future but i just i i think to myself that there's no way Trump running a news organization will be successful like if he was smart if i were Trump i would just take a Fox primetime hour and rant about whatever I want, and not have to deal with anything like the business side. But like, if Trump actually tries to have like a Trump News Network or have his name on it, like it's totally gonna collapse if he has some kind of executive role. Because one, he's terrible at business. Two, a lot of smart people will get involved with him early on because there will be a lot of potential money. But I mean, if Trump is making decisions, right? Like he's a terrible manager in everything he's done and he's completely unmanageable. So I mean, like anyone who 
who's smart is going to either quit because they can't work with him and the money's not worth it. That You know, like the old adage, the, like the Trump's lawyers have to meet him in pairs. <laughs> like imagine like executive boardroom members <laughs> trying to keep him. <laughs> stuff. But like all the people who don't quit on their own will be fired the second they start, you know, disagreeing with Trump's business ideas. And, uh, you know, you know uh, like, uh, you know, I guess calling well, maybe, he, maybe not calling him an idiot, but implying that. I, I don't think Trump could just be given an hour on, on Fox News because what happens when nobody at Fox News can control Donald Trump talking about the 2020 election for the next four years? What happens? <laughs> but like, would it, would know, it matter, though? I mean, I, I think as long as it's well, not no, like I mean, overtly calling people is, to, well, to arms against the government, I think people would yeah. still tune in and watch it. I think it would still have a lot of viral power. Yeah. Well, I think he probably, I mean, <laughs> I think... There was a. I was reading this thing about a billionaire. I think it was like Richard Branson or something who owns like uh, Virgin Airlines and Virgin Galactic. But uh, someone, it was a billionaire saying that he met with Donald Trump one time because it was just an opportunity. And he thought, you know, I'm not in the business of real estate. He's <laughs> right. supposed to be rich and famous. I'll go have lunch with him and just see what he's about. Maybe I'll learn a thing or two. And he said he sat down with Donald Trump, and Donald Trump spent the entire lunch just talking about people he hated and how he was trying to get revenge on them. Right, and that's then, so like And that. then, he, yeah, he said that basically he's like, oh, I get Donald Trump now. He's just the luckiest son of a bitch ever to be born with he $400 million is. Dollars to yeah. his name. That's that guy, uh, the uh, comedian slash uh, magician, uh, what's his name? Pen, uh, yeah, Pen of Pen and Teller, Pen Gillette, yeah. He was saying that like he loved Trump during the Celebrity Apprentice because he loves people with no filter, but like yeah. it literally is just Trump all the time. Oh, and that's another good story. Uh, we read that uh, Vanity Fair, I believe it was, that reported like Ivanka's best friend, like growing up and stuff, wrote an op-ed about the Trump family, and there was like that one detail where she's talking about how Donald Trump took no interest in her. Um, and but would like always notice when she lost weight and compliment her when she was looking skinnier. And then Trump would only come in and just ask things like, "Is Ivanka the prettiest, like the hottest girl in school?" And and Ivanka's friend would say something like, "Yeah, she's probably in the top five. And then Trump would demand to know who was hotter than Ivanka, and he would know the girls' names when when they brought when he brought uh when she would like mention them. And that's just so funny. It's like Trump literally is just, he's such an idiot and he's so stupid, but he really has just lucked his way into spectacular debts and uh, I guess you could say almost like hostage situations where he just, he holds all the money around him and all the bank loans, America, like he holds everything hostage and he just gets too big to fail, like in every yeah. aspect of his life. So he really is lucky. Um, oh, I just found. I googled it real quick. I found the uh, thing I was talking about. It was Richard Branson. So right. apparently, this is a quote from Richard Branson for anybody listening who wants to hear it. But Donald Trump invited me to lunch at his gold-filled New York apartment. It was just <laughs> both of us. During the entire lunch, he only spoke about one thing: revenge. <laughs> yeah. I'm, he says, "I am not sure why he invited." Uh, but for two hours, he told me how he was going to get even and destroy all those that didn't help him when he was completely broke. <laughs> that's, that sounds exactly like him. But that's so what he's—that's what he's going to do for the next true. four. Yeah, 
that's what he's gonna do for the next four years. I mean, like if let's say he got a show or something, <laughs> like honestly, Fox News wouldn't even be good for him. They have to like manage a crew and have like five or six, uh, you know, blocks of televised stuff to talk well, no, about. No, I think he's gonna want to ruin Fox. He's gonna start his own. Yeah, thing right. Because that's where the money is. Well, that's what I'm saying. He should get like he, a, start... he should get into talk radio where he can just rant yeah. <laughs> for like three hours straight. <laughs> Well, I mean, it'll probably be a 24-hour thing so they can make money all day and all night. And then, you know, that that's the thing that makes me wonder is, like, who are they going to get for those, like, you know, uh, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., you <laughs> yeah, know, before right. the morning shows? Cause it's you're just not like Eric get real and Donald Jr., like, shooting things with guns. <laughs> yeah. They'll probably get, like, half the people from that, like, disgraced NRA TV thing that went bust. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's I mean, just, like, you're not going to no get any it'll... journalists working for Trump at right. all. I mean, w- what's going to happen the first time you point out that, you know, uh, you know, Donald Trump didn't do so well in the election as he says he does during his, you know, primetime hour? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, who's going to advertise on a show that's just spewing out? I mean... I mean, that's the thing, like, Parler, like we are talking about earlier, is, like, does the world need more insular bubbles of bullshit, right? Like, Parler already, like, you know, they say anything can go, and it's probably just nothing but conspiracy theories, but do we need more of that? Um, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't think we do. And plus, it's actually a danger to Republicans, because the more insular they get, and if they create a social media company that only, like, four, five, six, seven, eight million people are on and talking about, nobody outside of their circle, none, like, conservative Democrats, independents, they're literally not going to know what the hell they're talking about on the campaign trail when they're talking about conspiracy theories. Yeah, I was thinking about this, uh, what you said about like the delusional aspect of it, that like Republicans totally do not get enough shit for how long they have let their constituents and their voters and supporters uh, just believe bullshit, right? Like all this time, like they couldn't say anything about George W. Bush um like that was bad until the very very end and obama took over and then like the whole birther thing that republicans just like opportunistically did not mind that like half the republican party thought he might be like a kenyan muslim terrorist or something and then like now Mm -hmm. with like covid it's just so delusional like all of these republicans in congress they have uh, they they have all the briefings about how COVID is actually way more serious and worse and more threatening and dangerous and deadly than they're letting it on to believe. And like now we get these reports of these doctors in like North Dakota, South Dakota, like very deep red Trump country. And these people are literally lying in hospital beds in denial. They're dying of COVID and they're saying things like, oh, it must be the flu. It can't be COVID. I must have lung cancer that suddenly (laughs) got like, I mean, like it's kind of, um, I guess it's kind of funny in a dark way, but it's just sad. But again, it's like the blame goes on the Republican Congress. The fact that their voters just believe this bullshit, they believe COVID's a hoax, despite all of the evidence otherwise, it's just like everything for political gain. It's ludicrous that Republicans allow their voters to just not live in reality because, you know, and it's like a political gain thing. If they go out and say, wear a mask when Trump's saying, maybe wear a mask, I don't know. (laughs) You know, the jury's still out on that one. I like people who don't like, who don't wear masks. Um, like it really is just like deadly, uh, deadly negligence. Well, yeah, I agree. And I wrote some notes down here for COVID so we can get into that now. Uh, little, little, uh, breaking news, I guess this week is that there's currently two vaccines, uh, Moderna and Pfizer, two companies have, uh, separate vaccines that they've made. 
Uh, one of them has like a 90, 95% uh, uh, efficacy. The second one has about 85%. So those are good. Um, however, uh, I think this makes this like the scariest and most anxious time for COVID because of people not wearing masks around the country, we're in a giant third wave. Uh, cases are skyrocketing. Like the seven day moving average is, you know, 130,000 plus new cases a day, which is just crazy. Uh, it's exploding all over the country. And I think this is like the weirdest time ever because uh, if you think about it, we're in the middle of a third wave, more people getting sick and dying, uh, but we have a vaccine that we know works, right? So like, like what a terrible thing that like because of the terrible leadership of Trump, the complete inaction from the executive branch under Trump and even Republicans not telling their own, you know, people in their own district to wear masks or, you know, downplaying the threat. I mean, you're going to have people dying four, five, six, seven, eight weeks from now who, you know, if people just worn masks, they wouldn't have been sick. They wouldn't have right. gotten deadly sick and they wouldn't have died. And there's a fucking vaccine already known to work. So, I mean, th this is like the terror. I mean, at what point does like government like, uh, com I don't well, I shouldn't say government, but like Trump's managerial or executive mismanagement and, you know, uh, inactivity or just failure to do anything about COVID literally lead to manslaughter. Like all those Republicans, like what was that? Dr. Atlas told people, you know, don't worry about COVID. Go enjoy Thanksgiving with your families. Don't you don't need a mask. Like at what point does that kind of become manslaughter? Especially since we're literally like months away from having millions and millions of vaccines. I mean, they're talking about another 150,000 people dying between now and January. And there's two vaccines out. Isn't that crazy? Right. Uh, I mean, it's, it's especially... At least before you could say it is what it is. And if you get it, you get it. But it's like, you know, that's like saying that, in po you know, about polio in the 1910s, not in the 1950s when they started, you know, making vaccines and, and giving it to millions of people around the world. Yeah, it's ludicrous. But I mean, just imagine uh, when the vaccines are out, how many... <laughs> How many conservatives aren't going to take the vaccine? Because one, I guess they believe it's a hoax. and It's not real anyway. There's going to be the people who think it's Bill Gates trying to put more chips into us. You know, like how like once a vaccine, it, once we have two vaccines and then people still don't take it and then they still die, they get sick with it and die. Like, I mean, at a certain point. Do you, I mean, this is what I think. Is it like, did Russia just, did uh, their all of their uh, social media meddling and all of their shit starting literally just break our brains and our collective American consciousness? Like, are we literally just too stupid to do anything now? And we're just doomed to decline because, I mean, like QAnon stuff. Like, how, you know, how does, how does a Biden administration battle QAnon? Where it's like, one, they believe he cheated, Democrats cheated, Joe Biden's an illegitimate um, an illegitimate president, and uh, Joe Biden's going to do a lot of uh, more mandates on things like uh, on COVID. I don't know if he'll have like a full national shutdown. He doesn't seem like he wants to do that. But they're going to have like a national mask mandate probably and all kinds of state shutdowns. So what do you get with these idiots who don't believe this is like a real disease anyway? And then they're, you know... They've been fed all this stuff that like, oh, um, the newest form of patriotism is not listening to anything the government does and going out and licking each other's spit on <laughs> the ground to prove COVID's all fake. Like, it's, you know, it's like, well, I, mean, I guess they, I guess my question is, is there any hope for us? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, the hope is is like, uh, you know, 
the Darwin Award type thing where like, you know, maybe life does get better when all the people who don't believe in a pandemic don't take the vaccine, get it and die. So the only people remaining are people who took the vaccine or lucky, you know, luckily squeeze their way into just being around other people. Uh, family and friends and right. coworkers who do care, do wear masks, and don't give it to them inadvertently or you know purposely. Yeah, I mean, I guess that it, it's kind of like that with like a lot of liberal policy, where like liberals try to do things to solve problems and protect people, and it, you know it's like Republicans have the mindset that it's like limiting capitalism and freedom to dump shit in the river, and then everyone gets cancer. Like, at what point are liberals just like, well, we tried so hard to get them to just wear a mask. And they refused and they died. You know, it's like well, I mean, so morbid and dark. All, but <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't involve death, but you see that kind of thing all the time, right? So, like, if you live in a state that, you know, parentally doesn't have a uh, minimum wage comparable to other states around them, doesn't have worker, you know, regulations about pollution, well, like, you know, guess whose water doesn't catch on fire? New York City, because they spend lots of tax money getting clean water. You can't say the same thing about rural, you know, counties that opened the entire county up to like unregulated fracking, you know, back in the early 2010s. I mean, you don't have that in big liberal cities. And I think people are clearly, you know, better off for it. Not that cities don't have their own problems and stuff. um, But I mean, in a couple of ways, it's pretty uh, I mean, (laughs) I mean, thankfully, no one gets a Darwin Award for some of that stuff because most people aren't dying. But, you know, at what cost those people just keep voting for the same stuff, literally polluting the food and water they 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 uh, eat, the air they breathe, you know, et cetera. Right. Um, I guess we can segue into Joe Biden, like what he can do in his next term. We kind of approach that topic a little bit um, about like, you know, Biden having to deal with these consequences, which, you know, it's kind of interesting that Trump is still not doing anything for COVID. He's kind of wallowing about losing. But now it's like the the COVID crisis that Biden is going to inherit is going to get so much worse over these next two months that Trump is still president and doing nothing. Um, But I guess let's say when Biden takes over, um, I wanted to bring this up because Biden's kind of campaign claim was that, you know, he gets the Senate. He's been there forever. He's very, he can be bipartisan. He knows all the Republican senators. He can make deals. Um, and uh, I do think there is some credence because I do think Joe Biden is not very ideologically um, like zealous in terms of a lot of things. So I do think actually that Joe Biden could actually have the potential to really be a very fascinating, uh, successful president in terms of like making deals. However, obviously, such a uh, approach to governance will probably make liberals very, very upset because, I mean, Joe Biden might make a deal by giving Republicans things that Republicans want, which, you know, in our hyperpartisan moment, you know, any win for the other side on anything is like, we'll cancel you. You're the worst. You're worse than Hitler because you gave them 10% of something that we believe just, you know, should not exist at all. But what do you think about that? Do you think uh, that Joe Biden has a chance to actually kind of bring back old school politics? Yeah, well, I think, uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, right? So he inherently has a lot of leverage with the executive orders. So I, I could see a president kind of leveraging that saying, hey, if you're not going to play ball with me on this issue and this issue, I'm willing to give up ground here and there on things that you want. Uh, and if you don't play, uh, I know how to use the executive branch a hell of a lot better than Trump yeah. did. 
and I'm going to do way more executive actions in ways that you can't stop me and will probably go further and beyond on what you want long term for the country. So either you play ball uh, or I'll do it that way. On the other hand, you know, we'll see what happens because, I mean, I don't think Republicans want Biden to be successful, especially if, if some of that goes, you know, Kamala Harris gets some of that credit since she'll probably be the likely Democratic uh uh, presidential uh, candidate coming in 2024. So, I mean, we'll see uh, if, if Republicans don't play ball. Um, you know, Biden's going to have to do what Obama did and just basically do everything by executive order. Uh, Georgia right. will be kind of key in figuring out how that goes, right? I mean, if Democrats somehow win both seats and get control of the Senate, uh, then it's kind of, you know, open to anything. If they, you know, I think Joe Manchin has said he doesn't want to nuke the filibuster. Um, but you know, it might not be, you know, if it's a 50, uh, 50 split with Kamala Harris being the breaking vote that gives power to the, the Democrats, you know, a single Democrat, uh, defector could be all it takes to, uh, right. and certainly two or three could be all it takes to just stop policies in ways that those yeah. specific See, two or three senators don't want. Yeah. I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I'm, I think actually that we should return to pork barrel dealing. Right. Because like I believe in like the 2000s, like that was kind of the big controversial thing. And it was like, really, there were so many attack ads that every politician got hit because, you know, like one bill they voted on had some amendment offered by some random senator or congressperson to get like their vote. And then it was maybe like a waste, not a waste of money, but like a lot of money for like, you know, a very specific state or region or something like that. But I think like looking back in hindsight, that kind of old school politics of like wheeling and dealing in Congress, like, you know, say what you will about like the I guess you could say the kind of like uh, bureaucratic bribery. But I mean, if you're going to pass like major legislation and you have like a Joe Manchin refusing to vote because, you know, he's trying to, you know, appeal to like the kind of conservative uh, voting base that, you know, surprisingly still elects him in West Virginia. But if you're going to say, well, uh, Manchin, like if you don't want to vote with us, uh, that's fine. But if you vote with us, we'll give West Virginia this new bridge you really need. Or we'll give West Virginia money for your, like, some failing VA hospital in, like, the Capitol or something like that. But it would be interesting. Well, I mean, if you brought back pork barrel spending, uh, you know, West Virginia is one of the poorest, most poverty-stricken right. Right. states in the country. <laughs> you could probably bribe yeah. Joe Manchin endlessly if you just put in little things for him. But I, I mean, I kind of think, like, especially now when infrastructure is failing so bad and all of our, you know, like, they got rid of the pork barrel stuff. And I think you could say it had, like, a negative effect more than it did i mean like money is less important than like failing standards of living and like states kind of crumbling into disrepair and stuff but like uh you know like i i honestly am like kind of for a return to that like why not just let every senator on all of these big boats uh or votes sorry squeeze out something for their state here and there plus it's good like if you're gonna do it for democrats especially you know, why not have your Democrats be able to go back to their districts on breaks and recesses and stuff? And then, hey, look, I got you this. I got you this uh, this subsidy. I got you this, you know, infrastructure project, etc. Well, it's important to put it on perspective, too, because pork barreling spending is usually a couple hundred million here and there, different counties, right. different districts, different states. Uh, but it's like, look at the I mean, 
I mean, I, maybe this COVID stimulus stuff and the amount of money and the deficit spending Donald Trump has done it will put a damper on the Republicans' demand that we, you know, have instant ballot and budgets tomorrow, or I'm up, you know, keeping the government from doing anything, or I'm shutting down the government. Uh, because, like, I mean, that's a good idea, the pork barrel spending, because, like, think of the TPP loans, right? Or the, what is it, the PPP loans, um, the, the, the COVID stimulus Republicans passed uh, that just gave, you know, uh, billions and billions of dollars to small businesses. Most of, you know, not most of them have failed, but, you know, large numbers of those businesses that took federal money for free with no intention of paying it back, took the money, lasted another month or two, and have since declared bankruptcy and gone under. So, I mean, like, look at the money just thrown. You know, I guess it's a good thing that they paid their employees a couple, you know, extra paychecks. Um, but I mean, that money's gone forever. It's never coming back and they spent it basically knowing. So like, you know, you have an issue like that. Why not just spend a couple hundred millions here and there anyway on pork barrel spending if we're already willing to spend, you know, 50 billion here, or 100 billion here, or 500 billion here, uh, to companies like, you know, for example, like the airlines, right? How much money and government money do they need immediately after COVID hit because they didn't have two weeks of fucking savings saved up? You know what I mean? Right, yeah. So, I mean, the money we've thrown at them, you know, why not just, you know, actually build a bridge somewhere or fix like highways through major metro areas? Yeah. That, you know, now I that drive major plans multiple are multiple be- metro areas all the time and, and highways right. suck sometimes. Yeah, now that major spending plans are getting into like one, two, three trillion trillion dollars uh you know a couple 50 million there is not a big deal um, I mean, and, and that'll be going back to the whole like biden negotiating with republicans it'll be interesting because like if they're really going to play ball if they want to be bipartisan uh democrats are gonna have to give up quite a bit of stuff right like you know maybe they get debt relief for uh fine you know student aid uh, but maybe they have to give up certain entitlements somewhere else, right? You know, maybe yeah. we get more money on infrastructure, but maybe with infrastructure spending, Republicans get a couple choice tax cuts for specific things that, you know, Democrats might find stupid or unproductive, but Republicans see as ideologically important or at least, you know, economically productive in the, the sectors that they want to promote. Right. But I guess to play devil's advocate a little bit, it's so weird that, like, uh, there was some study I saw. I can't remember where, unfortunately. This, you know, I wish I, I wish I had it in front of me. But basically, the idea was that like they analyze all of the legislation the Democrats do and all of the legislation that Republicans do, and like the legislation uh, proposals that Republicans bring up, like overwhelmingly are only really benefiting already really rich people and giant corporations. So it's like to play the devil's advocate, like making deals with Republicans. It's so weird because like the main thing that got hung up with this COVID relief, the second stimulus, was that Mitch McConnell and Republicans really wanted to put in the uh, um, the legal protections for corporations to force their workers back into unsafe conditions and then be free of any liability for lawsuits when their workers get COVID. And like that is something that's so weird. And like that is... Like, if you're talking about 99% and 1%, like, what for the 99% of Americans who aren't rich does that benefit? Does that benefit them at all, you know? To, like, have all these meatpacking workers have to be, you know, shoulder to shoulder again, regular working conditions, and then, uh, you know, on pain of being, like, uh, fired and losing their livelihoods, and then for that company to not have any liability if they all get COVID and half of them die or something like that. 
Well, I mean, that, that goes with everything. Look at environmental policy, right? How many companies companies do something like uh, strip mine an area or a forest or a mountain, and then they subcontract the cleanup to some shell company. The shell company does a shit job, barely cleans <laughs> yeah. up anything, and then goes under or declares bankruptcy, and then you can't even find anybody because the company that did the cleanup doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the first company took all the, the minerals, the oil, the coal, whatever it was, and the profits, and don't do shit about it afterwards. Right. And, you know, none of those people, none of those people get in any trouble the executives go on boards of other companies and like we'll do it again we figure out how to do this yeah they advise new companies on how to get away with you know all the things they got away with but i will say that's you know now that biden is going to be president we're immediately going to get into uh the dark winter of austerity where we have to where we you know every penny has to be uh you know has to be uh nickeled and everything has to be nickeled and dimed by republicans uh, well, here's a here's an interesting stimulus thing that Biden actually can do on day one, which I've heard a lot of Democrats talking about is uh, canceling student debt. So I'd love to hear your opinion on this uh, for people listening. Some of the background is that, uh, you know, with the president in charge of the executive branch and in charge of the Treasury, uh, a lot of finance, student financial debt for college, postgraduate, all that stuff. Um is basically owned by the treasury, right? They're usually subsidized or, you know, uh, loans through companies like, uh, uh, like, what is it, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, right? Well, those are right. mortgages, never mind. But a lot of those, yeah, uh, like the, the, the Parent idea, Plus, right. the Fed Loan, those companies, or government institutions, right? They, they help get loans uh, to students uh, all around the country. They own the debt. So technically, you know, the Treasury is collecting from people indirectly through these, like, uh, different institutions or government organizations. So the idea is that, you know, just like Donald Trump and, you know, uh, one good thing he did when COVID started was he, you know, cut the uh, uh, payments for student loans to zero for six months. And then uh, after six months, you know, they extended it to uh, January 1st, basically. Uh, so the idea is that uh, Joe Biden could just tell the Treasury not to collect any of that money and just waive a lot of the student debt. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think that's totally uh, justifiable. I don't have student loans. I went to college and I paid it off as I went while in college. So, I mean, it doesn't benefit me, but I'm not, you know, a lot of people are bitter about it. I had to pay $50,000 slowly and ruin uh, ruin my early adulthood. So everyone else should have to have their early adulthoods ruined too. I think that's like such a selfish yeah. and ludicrous well, way to view the, the topic. Well, that's like the, it, yeah, it's not a very moral and ethic ethical argument to say fuck everyone because i was fucked <laughs> right yeah uh well another but, thing I mean, is it's important to note that college uh, costs have gone through the roof the last couple decades so it's it's really comparing apples and oranges for baby boomers to complain about this right. uh, because the costs and you know the job market was so different then compared to now too i mean you have people with master's degrees taking jobs that require a master's degree but you know will pay 14 dollars an hour uh, which is totally different than people with a bachelor's degree 50 years ago. Right. Um, a, a little more about this. So uh, I think it was uh, yesterday in a press conference, um, Joe Biden said he's open to the idea of uh, immediately uh, on day one, basically waiving $10,000 of student debt from every American who has student loans. 
but other Democrats, uh, people from AOC and the squad to, to Chuck Schumer have advocated. Uh, Bernie Sanders as well made that a pretty big campaign issue. But they've been advocating from anywhere from 30000 to $50,000. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see where the Democratic Party goes. As, as Biden, you know, aptly put in the debates, like, I am the Democratic Party right now. So we'll see what he ends up doing. Uh, some thoughts I have on why it would be good for the economy uh, where one is just like, you know, if you cancel debt, uh, it's in the government's purview. It is a stimulus plan. So, I mean, it depends on how much Republicans want to play ball with the Democrats in Congress. But as far as stimulus for COVID, I mean, anyone with debt uh, eliminating some degree of their debt is an instant stimulus. Uh, for people who get completely out of debt, all of their, you know, a lot more of their paycheck if they still have jobs or get jobs in the near future, uh, all of that money will either be going into uh, saving for retirement, which is good for the economy because they're buying uh, equities and stocks, you know, possibly even real estate, uh, or they're just putting that money directly into the economy. So rather than the government taking, you know, $600, $700 or whatever a month, they are now spending that money in the economy directly, which is good for the economy. Um, uh, additionally, if people have less debt, they'll buy more cars, they'll buy more houses. So, I mean, even for people who do not get uh, student loans paid off because they didn't have any or they already paid them off, uh, you know, increased housing prices is good for them as well if they own a house. Um, which is really good because COVID, uh, you know, obviously over 250,000 people are dying. Well, we've yet to see any big effects so far on the housing market, but we'll see if another 150,000 people die in the next couple of months and thousands more before all the COVID vaccines come out. Uh, we could have a pretty big depression in home prices. And so getting rid of some student debt might actually prop that up a little bit is an idea I had. Uh, more importantly, uh, there's a lot of older people, baby boomers, who have those McMansions that they bought in the, the 1990s and the 2000s, which no millennial wants to have, first off, and a lot of them don't have the money. So, I mean, a lot of uh, baby boomers can't sell houses because nobody wants their oversized houses that they bought when interest rates were low and everybody had those subprime mortgages that a lot of people couldn't even get out of. Uh, so, I mean, that's an issue right there that you know some of that will take care of. Um, and another thing that's more importantly, I think, is it would actually open up jobs possibly, right? So if you're talking about, like, let's say 300,000 people have their debt removed or, you know, maybe 3 million uh, or 5 million, you know, what you have is a lot of people uh, who are, you know, want to be stay-at-home moms and dads would actually quit their job uh, that they had for the sole purpose of helping their significant other spouse or whatever pay off their student loans, uh, so a lot of potential stimulus potential in this. What do you think about all that? Uh, yeah, I think you covered most of the bases there. Uh, totally. Um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, this is this is kind of funny. It, it would be a, it would be amusing if Democrats kind of like did what Republicans do. Republicans have like the ludicrous idea of every time Demo like every time Obama wanted to raise taxes. Or, uh, or sorry, not raise taxes, but have a spending plan and spend a lot of money on some new project. Republicans, as part of the, the conversation or the debate, would always insist on tax cuts, which makes no fiscal sense. They're like, we need new infrastructure. And then Republicans will say, all right, then you got to give us a lot of tax cuts or we won't vote for it. So it's like, let's do this big plan and then we'll make sure the government has less money <laughs> because Republicans want their tax cuts. 
which is ludicrous. But it'd be funny if uh, Democrats do kind of like the you know like the same strategy. Every time Republicans like want to cut taxes for the rich, the Democrats say, "All right, then we're going to cut debts of the poor or something." You know, I guess there's a lot of different ways, maybe with the IRS too, that they can figure out ways to kind of cut more debts of poor people. But it, that could be an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I mean, and that's another thing with the uh, reconciliation uh, budget uh, bills that Demogra- uh, Biden and Democrats will be able to do. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what Democrats do uh, because they can throw in anything involving, you know, uh, payment for the budget uh, and stuff like that and just throw it in a, you know, and once a year budget reconciliation bill that, you know, basically just gets an up and down vote from Congress and, you know, gives the president the last couple of years. Yeah, it's the one free leeway. pass, free of the filibuster they get away with, but it has to be money yeah. related or yeah. budgetary, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Um, and then uh, let's see. I've got uh, one major uh, bullet here. Um Let's talk about ways that Trump could continue to screw over Biden in the last two months. Because, you know, we, we mentioned already the Iran strike that Trump got talked out of and he's still not doing anything about COVID. But what could let's just like play it out. Like if Trump really wanted to screw with Biden, what would you recommend he do? Not hope, I mean, obviously, Trump's not listening to this so we can talk about it. It would be a shame if we gave him an idea. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, there's, like, the stupid petty, like, what if Donald Trump, in a fit of rage on, you know, January 20th, decided right the hours during the inauguration, convinced a bunch of those, uh, you know, aides and, and, and public servants there at the White House to physically move the furniture out of the White House into a different building. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, are you talking <laughs> yeah. about, like, the petty stuff? Right. Like, like uh, I mean... not Well, like, no, I was talking more, <laughs> like, serious stuff. Because, like, I guess, uh, like... I, yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, the serious stuff, I mean, he could do everything from, uh, well, I mean, we'll see what he does with pardoning, right? I mean, there's been talks about how Trump might try to pardon the Trump organization, which will be, I think, hilarious to figure out what happens legally after that, because the Trump organization, I mean, it's not clear that you can pardon a company. Obviously, like, Republicans would love a company to be treated as a human. Uh, but then, you know, <laughs> yeah. begs the question, if, if the Trump organization were to accept a part. Oh, well, this is important to add uh, for anyone listening is if you accept a pardon, that is by definition admission for the guilt uh, for that crime that you committed and thus needed a pardon. The legal uh, reasoning being that if you were truly innocent, you would not need a pardon. So by right. taking a pardon, you accept that you did it, the crime. Uh, so if the Trump organization took a pardon, uh, and then tried to, you know, when Trump left office and the state of New York came calling, it would be pretty hard for the Trump organization to say they were not breaking crimes in New York while they were taking a pardon for federal crimes around the country. That would be very yeah. interesting. Is there any precedent for pardoning a company? Is there like anything? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I'm not okay, sure. Yeah. I mean, if you go back before Citizens United, I think that whole legal concept wouldn't even make sense. Right. Uh, for example, like, you know, if you I mean, going back to like, you know, pardoning was a big thing in like English common law, you know, before America even became America. And like, you know, the idea that you would do that to a corporation made no sense. And if you just follow the, yeah. the history since it, there's no concept of it. Well, yeah. Uh, more importantly, I think it'll be interesting to see if Trump tries to pardon himself, because right. I mean, the whole idea of our legal code being if, if no one is above the law, well, then how could you pardon yourself? I mean, we've, we've made that joke before. If, if Trump could pardon himself, that means he could literally 
literally walk to the treasury, take out millions of dollars of hundred dollar, you know, freshly printed hundred dollar bills, <laughs> yeah. and then pardon himself, right. and then nobody could do anything about it. Yeah, um, and then so, shoot I mean, Stephen Mnuchin, kinda... and then pardon himself for killing him. I guess. Yeah. Well, well it, 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 I hope crazy. It's like <laughs> you can I, I like, hope that uh... steal someone's car cross state lines and say, well, this isn't a state crime anymore. This is a felony, a federal right. felony because I cross state lines and then pardon yourself. <laughs> yeah, I do want like if Trump tried because, yeah, that was an idea that he would pardon himself. But, you know, Trump hasn't really been charged with anything yet. So, like, how does he pardon himself for crimes for which he has not actually been investigated or charged yet? So it well, would that's be like, like the Republican bubble is going to play out there because if right. Trump tries to pardon himself or family <laughs> around him. I mean, all the Republicans on social media are going to be like, oh, yeah, Trump was right to do that. The deep state was coming after him. And then right. completely absent all that bullshit will be the idea that if you take a pardon, you literally admit to the crime but i i hope whatever happens that democrats like some or maybe not democrats but like the department of justice or whatever pursues this like all the way to the supreme court if it needs be uh if it gets that far to set precedent you know finally because like if he like let's say he just pardons ivanka like for what and then it comes out after trump <laughs> yeah, is gone that what? ivanka <laughs> has committed you know like you know, campaign finance fraud, all kinds of emoluments fraud, you know, all kinds of like collusion with like, in, you know, like, I guess, uh, financial and business fraud and crimes, like one pardon that he did for Ivanka applies for like literally 30 crimes on the book that she might be found to have done or something like that. Like that. Well, that's a weird thing. Well, the funny thing is, like, when you talk about being pardoned, like if you pardoned your daughter, like... I mean, you have to admit to a crime, right? You right. can't pardon someone for any crimes you may have committed. That doesn't even make any sense. Uh, and again, like you joke, like, why would you take a pardon for something you're not actually under investigation being indicted for? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, that won't be the case the day after January 20th, I'm sure, uh, right. with the state of New York calling. But like to preemptively take a pardon for any and all crime, that doesn't even make sense. I would like to see like literally at 12... 12 p.m. like in one second you know like as he's getting into like marine one helicopter you know like the state of new york has somebody there with a briefcase just filled with subpoenas you know like gives it to him on his way you know out to wherever the fuck he's gonna like fly to on marine well, one here's an interesting thought i just pulled up the pardon pardons in the usa wikipedia page and it says pardons do not take effect if the beneficiary of the pardon does not accept it so you could deny a pardon but the interesting thought i had was just then if you take a pardon and then continually deny you ever committed a crime does that kind of mean like you didn't accept the pardon <laughs> and therefore you could be punishable that would be uh, i mean that's kind yeah. of a that's kind of a joke because like the the part the power of the pardon uh, comes from the office of the pardon attorney, so it looks like there's actual legal paperwork for this. So like you can't just say I didn't do anything if you've signed paperwork with the office of the pardon attorney to take and accept the pardon. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so let's, then to let's turn talk about this. Say, I didn't do it, but let's oh, talk about ahead. this. Do you think right now Trump is selling pardons to people, <laughs> you know, for money? Like he's like maybe there's like at Mar-a-Lago or somebody he's got someone like for I, I wrote a satire on this that like he's gonna start selling platinum mar-a-lago memberships for like 250 grand that come with a free pardon <laughs> you know buy two get three pardons get one pardon free or something <laughs> like i mean knowing trump and knowing how little he cares about 
uh, laws and how much he cares about money <laughs> and uh, I guess how aware he is of the debts that he has. Like, what are I mean, like, what are the odds you would say that he's selling pardons? Like, ninety percent, a hundred percent? Well, I don't know. Well, this is interesting. The the Wikipedia page is talking about how pardons can also be used for a presumptive case. For example, President Gerald Ford pardoned Nixon, who had not actually been charged with anything. Right. So yeah, I guess see, the idea here that's what I was saying though. Do- it never got it never got taken to court, so they never actually really confirmed whether that is like legal <laughs> or you know what you know. I guess because at a certain point, it really just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting idea, <laughs> Can right? Can you pardon, so, like, a six-year-old and just say every crime he ever does, you know, until he's until he dies? Level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. So the lot- history is always uh, more complicated and interesting than anyone really kind of thinks at the time. Yeah. Or certainly after the fact. Yeah. Well, I see now that we're at an hour. I've got one last question before we go. Um, who yeah. are you most happy will be leaving government? Stephen Miller, Jared Kushner, Ivanka, Donald Trump himself. Who are you like happiest will leave? <laughs> well, you know what's funny is like I, I don't even know how to answer that because I think like I'm gonna be It's a thirty way uh, tie. So, well, <laughs> what I was gonna say is I'm gonna be so entertained by all the memoirs that people write about the Trump administration in the next year or two. Yes. And it'll be interesting the next to see years. like yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what person in the White House actually had the most sway in, you know, in X, Y, and Z decisions, right? So, like, some of the worst stuff the Trump administration did, like, who was that voice in the room that convinced Trump or convinced whoever convinced Trump to actually do that, right? Yeah, plus, you, you know, Trump is such an idiot. You know, there's going to be so many books about all the things where, like, probably 95% of people were unanimously telling him to do something or not to do something and then you know trump just always listens to like the last person who said something to him like i i can't wait to read about all of the decisions that came out of nowhere <laughs> you know it's like how many how many cabinet level meetings and like top advisor meetings did everyone walk out of the room thinking they were all in agreement and then trump tweets something like two hours later that just derailed everything you know yeah <laughs> i mean that'll be i mean when people talk about like the 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 management of the White House, you know, Trump is technically like just the the CEO of the executive branch. It'll be really funny to see how how much of a clusterfuck that really was day in and day out. Yeah, I really want someone to like, or maybe Rex Tillerson to write a book or something. But remember, Rex Tillerson said after he was fired that he saw he stopped Trump from doing a lot of. I think he used the words illegal shit. I really want to, I mean, like, you know, Tillerson's not the only person who had to listen to Trump propose all kinds of illegal ideas. Yeah, like you said, I am so looking forward to just all of the, you know, it'll be interesting to see, too, like, you know, I mean, Stephen Miller has to be one of the most unemployable people in the world now. Ivanka is going to go back and try to have, like, I guess... Yeah, are they all going to just move to, like, Palm Springs and hang around Mar-a-Lago and just, you know, like, get jobs on the board of, like, the MyPillow company, you know, Fox News. Well, they'll be the equivalent of, like, the B-roll actors in, like, those movies that get giant cult followings and go places and get free drinks. They'll show up to CPAC every year and talk about their time and, like, yeah, talk about the good old days or whatever with Trump. (laughs) I mean, they'll be a joke and they'll be political pariahs for the next couple decades for sure. Although it will be fun. 
fun too if like immediately tr like all this stuff comes out about trump's finance crimes collusion the epstein stuff like i mean he's just so liable and open for so much litigation like it would be interesting to see him just like his literal his reputation and legacy and name i mean more than they already are ruined but get ruined even for like MAGA world and then to see like you know all the the rats running off the sinking trump ship you know and start distancing <laughs> yeah. themselves you know yeah, anyway we'll any last thoughts yeah. any last words no that's it i think uh we're good hour hour six minutes yeah all right everybody thanks for listening check out uh more of our brain milk podcast and as always check out the halfway post uh i'm running out of time to write funny satire about trump being president but uh, have no worries i'm sure trump will continue being yeah, a, i have a uh, feeling you won't have trouble after <laughs> yeah, the election either i think trump is gonna ensure all comedians still are talking about him anyway thanks for listening everybody once again we're brain milk i'm dash mcintyre and enjoy the guitar solo